crew. Telling the story of Jonah through gnomes is pretty awesome. So how many of uh, you know the story of Jonah? You know ideas of it, right? Uh, real quick, one word, one word uh, about the story of Jonah. Tell, let's tell the story real quick and we'll read it. Fish, good. What else? What else? What? A whale, good. Whale and a fish. What else? Disobey, good. What else? Evil, interesting. What? Swallowed, all right, by the well. Stubborn, good. All right, all right, good. Hey, these are good words, all right? Some of you might not be as familiar with it. We're going to walk through that in your Bible. In fact, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. We're not going to get to read the whole thing, even though it's not that long of a book. I'm going to encourage you this weekend, take a, take a few minutes. It doesn't take you that long, a few minutes a day to just read through and get, get familiar with the story. We're going to tell you ideas about it as we read through passages, but we're not going to read the whole story. Uh, we're just going to talk through it as well as we're going to actually see this awesome demonstration, this cool uh, live production of telling the story of Jonah. All right, so let's open up our Bibles. Jonah is in your Old Testament. Um, it's he's a prophet. He's a minor prophet, and he's actually just telling people the the role of a prophet is to do what? Anybody know what the role of a prophet's supposed to do? Tell tell yes, yeah, speak on behalf of God. That's the role of the prophet. So all these prophets are supposed to be speaking on behalf of God. Jonah is going to be doing the opposite, is what we've seen here, right? We have these front, front yard gnomes. I'm trying to wrap my head around it all. We got the front yard gnomes. Their job is to listen to the gardener, and they're doing a good job, because look at this. It looks great. But the backyard gnomes were created by the same gardener. They gave a, God had a job to do, and they decided, I want nothing to do with the gardener, and I will do life my own way. And it's just as interesting that the gardener still doesn't give up on him. That's an interesting thing. And it's the same thing we read here, that God is still not giving up on people that reject him. It says this in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Anamadi, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose and fleed to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And that's all we're going to cover this evening, just really quick. We've got a guy, Jonah, his job was to go wherever the Lord tells him, to speak on behalf of the Lord. And he says, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go my own way. In fact, some of those lines, if you remember and you've heard it there, uh, the bee is saying, hey, these gnomes depend on you to pass along the gardener's instructions. This bee is saying, I'm, I, you're supposed to listen to the gardener on the video. You're supposed to listen to him. And Jonah's like, here's Jonah's remark. Here's, here, here's what Jojo replied. I know where the gardener told me to go, but I would never go there. And then the bee says, but if you give them this message, they could still have a time to change. And Jonah's like, nah, I want nothing to do with them. That's what we read in the scripture here. 
God gives him a job and he says, no, I'm good. I'm going to do something else. We see it in this, this, this drama and we're going to see it throughout this week, this weekend, just consequences of some of those decisions that he makes, consequences and decisions that we make. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this camp. I'm excited for these students to come up wherever they're at in the relationship with you. Some fired up to be at camp. Some coming from some maybe some hurting things going on at home. Some know who you are in this room and some in this room have no idea who you are. And maybe some want nothing to do with you. And Lord, I just am thankful for everyone here. I just pray that they're just simply open to hearing maybe what you would have to say to them this weekend. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, I've been a fan of Hume Lake. Uh, I've worked there for 14 years, actually, uh, in a different Hume, uh, actually up in a different kind of mountain range near Fresno. Uh, I've worked there with the high school department for 14 years, got to put on some of these themes. It was awesome. 14 years, great ministry up there. About five and a half years ago, my wife and uh, my, myself and my kiddos, we moved down to Long Beach. We're in Long Beach at a church down there. I work with the adult ministry team. I get to do awesome things there at the church. I just love my job, shepherding people, talking to people about Jesus. Our goal at the church is to know God and make him known. That's our, our mission statement, and I'm excited to do what I get to do there at church. But uh, here's my family. In fact, I got a picture of them right here, uh, I believe. Uh, this is my family here, August and Isley. It's Isley there in August and my wife, Allison. In fact, it's better to see them live. I think that they're still here. August, Isley, you back in the back? Oh, there you are. There's Isley there. There's August there. Uh, yeah, they're in the back. And my wife it doesn't love standing up, but she's back there. Some. Oh, there she's back there. Hey, hey, baby, I didn't see you. <laughs> thought you were a lead counselor. Uh, hey. Uh, so that's my family. They're here. Come and say hey. Uh, you know, they'll be on the ice rink playing broom hockey, all that good stuff. They're, they're going to be around. So come and say hey. Uh, we have a new addition to our family uh, just a few months ago, and this was awesome because we lived at camp. We weren't able to uh, have any pets, and we finally moved down the hill, and five years later, finally, we had this beauty to our addition here. This is, this is Scout. Uh, Scout is a golden doodle. We love this dog. She is, a, what's the next one there? A little closer of her. There she is. So, cute dog. Cute dog. Very, 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 very not smart of a dog though, right? Literally this morning or it was this morning or yesterday, me and my daughter were waking up because this dog likes to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and if you have dogs, like especially as puppies, I didn't think, because I've never had a puppy before. Um, I didn't know they actually do this, but me and my daughter, we were laughing so hard because literally this silly dog wakes up and she catches a glimpse of something moving and she attacks it and she sits up and she just goes round and round and round because it's her own tail that she's biting as hard as she can and she falls into the wall as hard as she can and she just gets up and does it again. Like, this is my dog, right? We go out in the backyard, and she is just, she she listens to me for the most part. Uh, we'll grab a little tennis ball. I'll, I'll throw it, and she'll run, and I'll say, come on, Scout, come back. And she looks around. She's like, all right, this will be fun. You know, and for the most part, she listens to me. 
But then there's all these times, if, again, if you're a dog owner, if you have a little puppy at home or if you've ever had one, what's interesting about it is not always does she listen to me, which is kind of frustrating because I'm the one who really takes care of her. My family takes care of her a little bit, but that's really my dog, and I'm really looking after this dog. I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to take her out, you know, I, to, to use the restroom, bring her back in, put her in her cage. I, I'm the one who gets up and feeds her most of the time. I, I get her water all the time. I'll take her on runs in the morning, walks in the afternoon. I care about this dog a lot. In fact, I've talked more about the dog than my own family. I apologize, family. I really like this dog. You would think that the dog would trust me. That when I say, dog, come here, the dog would come, but not always does it do it because it'll find like a little sock and take off running and decide, you know what, this is a fun game. I'm going to go exactly opposite of where my owner wants me to go. And I'm like, hey, Scott, we're not going to play this game. Why? I don't want to start to play this game of chase with my dog when I need her to bring that sock back or whatever it is as she's running all the way through the house outside. She's just so fast and she's crazy because here's the problem. If I start to chase her, she'll run faster and she thinks it's a game. And what's scary is I live on a pretty busy street and I know when that door opens up in the front yard... She's going to take off running. I'm going to be like, Scout, come to me. And there's times that she doesn't want to listen and trust me, and she runs the opposite direction. And I love this dog, and I want this dog to have a good life, and I want her to enjoy things. I will, I will feed her. I will take her on runs. We'll go to the beach. We'll have a blast. But she has to learn and to trust Dad because when she runs the opposite direction, bad things can happen to her. She's got to understand to trust dad, that dad has the best intentions for this dog. She needs to be able to trust me, and there's times that she does, and there's times that she runs her own way. And when she goes her own direction and her own way, it never seems to go well for her. We've got this guy Jonah, his job, the whole job of a prophet is to speak on God's behalf. And they're up here having a party. You saw it. And then Jonah or Jojo is sitting here. The door opens up. And, and, and the, the gardener interacts with Jojo. And all these other gnomes would be so excited to interact with the gardener. But the gardener speaks to Jonah. And Jonah stands up. And he's like, everyone's like, what did he say? What did he say? And he completely lies. He's like, actually, he's sending me somewhere else. Because he wants nothing to do with the place that God really wants him to go. In an act of disobedience, Jonah is told, look, there's this place called Nineveh, and Jonah knows what Nineveh is. Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, and, and I know you don't might not know some of these ancient, uh, um, uh, you know, these, these, these ancient colonies that, that Assyria was one of the biggest places that really would come in to a um, to a place and destroy these communities in, in awful ways. And in fact, they are God's enemies. They are God's people's enemies. The, Assyria was, was constantly coming in and, and making a headache for the people of Israel, God's people. So they're not followers of God. And yet God says, I want you, Jonah, not to go to your other followers of me, I want you to go to enemies of me and enemies of you. And I want you to tell them about my love. And Jonah says, nah, I'm good. 
Jonah who's supposed to speak on God's behalf, who understands and sits right here at the foot of, of, the, of the gardener, which everyone would love that opportunity. He has this interaction, this personal interaction with God, and he says, God, God says, all right, good, go and tell people about my love. And Jonah says, no, I'm going to do the opposite. He's going to get on a boat trying to get away, as far away from Nineveh as possible. And here on the, on, on the stage, they put, you know, Israel in the front yard and God's people in the front yard. And all the way in the backyard is the bad guys, Nineveh, who don't listen to the gardener. And Jonah wants nothing to do with them. And he tries to run. And that's disobedience, that he is going against the Lord and he runs trying to do things his own way. He thinks he knows best. He thinks he knows better than the Lord. And here's the thing. This is what's so interesting about this story in this stage of life that we're in. I wonder, I don't need to see a show of hands. I just wonder how many of us are in this room, call yourself Christ followers, yet when God asks you to do something, you don't do it. It's called disobedience. And whether you're a Christ follower or not, and we're going to talk about this more tomorrow night, it's called sin, a rebellion against God. Just even one time. When he says to do something we don't, it's rebellion, it's sin, and God hates sin. He knows best. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for those sitting next to you. He knows what's best for people at home. He knows what's best. And when we say no to God, we say, no, God, I don't really trust in your goodness or your faithfulness. I trust in me and my plan. And what's interesting about that is this is right here in the Bible, Jonah, it's in the Old Testament. What's interesting about the story of Jonah, it's nothing new. In fact, it's one of the very first pages of our Bible. You see, in the beginning, God created everything, humans and, and the world and animals and, and the seas. And, and it's just, it's, it was awesome and everything was exactly how it should be. It says in Genesis chapter 1 that God created everything. In the beginning, God. And then in chapter 3 of Genesis, as he creates man, it says God, God walks in the garden in the cool of the day. He enjoys his creation. With, they're enjoying their creator, and everything is awesome. Until he says, hey, Adam and Eve, first human beings, I don't want you to do this one thing. You could do all these other things, just don't do this one thing. And they say, nah, we understand what you're saying. We just, we think we know better we like interacting with you. We love this thing, but we think we know what's best. And there's probably something better than this. And that's when sin enters into humanity. What is sin? Sin is a compromise of God's laws in our words, thoughts, deeds, or actions. It's going against God in our words, our thoughts, our deeds, our actions. And so we could blame Adam and Eve, but the reality is, is if I was to ask you, well, has God asked you to do things for him lately? Yeah, it says love God with everything. Do you? No. It says love others the, the way God loves you. Do we? No. 
is he says, there's people in your life that need to know about my love and my mercy and my grace, and you have the opportunity to sit at my feet, and as I tell you to do something, you walk off, and people are like, hey, what's God saying? And you're like, nothing. It's called disobedience, and it's called sin, and it's not a new thing, because Adam and Eve has been doing it from the beginning of time, and we see this in Genesis chapter 3. God says, here's my plan, and they do the opposite. So often we say we follow God, and as he asks us to do things, we think we know better. It's called sin, and it's going against God, and it will always have devastating consequences, which we're going to see in Jonah's life, and it's interesting, and maybe you feel this way. And you didn't know if it was sin or what that word is. But the chances are the people in this room, whether you believe in God or not, you've had some hard circumstances in your life. And you think, well, why? Why If we've got the loving God, why is this thing happening? But the problem is that what we're about to see tomorrow even, or you read ahead in your Bibles, that's Jonah's sin. Him deciding to sin against God doesn't only affect him, it affects other people, not just Nineveh, the backyard gnomes. There's other people that are going to be affected by his sin, and you might be feeling the effects, not only of sin, maybe a choice you made, but maybe some sin other people made. That's the problem with sin, is it has devastating consequences, not just for you, but for everyone around you. And it always overpromises, and it always seems to underdeliver. And all have sinned. We all fall into that sin. And oftentimes, I believe that the, the, the times that I fall into that time of disobedience and whatever that looks like, I have to believe that most of the time it's because I take my eyes off who the gardener really is, right? Who God really is. I have a false understanding of him, a kind of a wrong view of him. And so what I want to do tonight, and we'll take just the next, you know, maybe eight minutes to kind of wrap it up with this. But this is something I was telling the counselors this morning or, you know, earlier tonight in my ministry over the last few years. This has been a question that I I think that as I whether I speak or, uh, you know, within my own church family is I'm you know friends are going through a hard time or people are under like walking through you know who is God like let's talk about him and and I find myself asking these two questions and in fact if you do you have your booklets do you have you have your booklets here maybe if you have your booklets and a pen can you get that out just real quick I'm going to ask you to write these two questions down because I don't want it to just be something you think about in this chapel I would love you to continue to think about these two questions throughout the weekend, and then maybe, just maybe, in a couple of weeks, these notes will fall out, and you'll come back to these two questions, because I think they're pretty, they're pretty important questions that I believe help kind of guide, especially those that call themselves Christ followers in this room. So I've really set these two questions up. These better be pretty awesome questions. It's very simple, two simple questions. In fact, I'm going to give you about 40 seconds is all. It's not going to be a lot of time to try to answer this by yourself. I don't need you talking to your friends about this. And if you're not a, if you're not a one that knows who God is in the room, I think that as soon as we get quiet here, you find yourself maybe getting a little stir crazy or wanting to say something or do something, and I get that. But can I just encourage you? I'm going to ask you two questions that I think are really profound questions 
that could help move your life down a road that I think you want to go down. For the next 40 seconds, can you just think about what this answer maybe looks like in your life? And here's the two questions. You ready? Write it down. Don't talk about it. I want you just to kind of write it down and try to answer it as quickly as you can. Who is God? And then the follow-up question, why should I care? Not I. Why should you care? So first question, who is God? And that next question, why should I care? You got about 40 seconds. I know that's not a ton of time at all to answer some pretty important questions. But I want you just to start to even think about what that looks like. Who is God? Why should I care? Take a few minutes. Or sorry, a few seconds. Who is God? Again, maybe it's one or two words you're writing down. It doesn't have to be a full sentence. But let's wrap that one up if you can. Who is God? And then maybe underneath that, why should I care? Take just uh, 15, 20 seconds. Just jot down a couple of things. Why should I care? Again, I recognize it's just not enough time. But look, you got all weekend. Continue to think about those two questions. Uh, here's what I want you to do. We'll put the pencils down for now, unless you want to take some notes. Fantastic. In just a minute, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you kind of some answers. that I, I feel like the Lord's kind of given me over this last time as I've been studying this. But here's what I want you to do is just quickly look at that, that, those answers. Who is God? Here's what I, I didn't ask. I didn't say who you think God is. Everyone's got an opinion. And the reality is, is you can say who you think God is. I don't necessarily care that much about who you think God is. Just like I don't think that you should care who I think God is. But the Bible actually says that, that, God, that this is God-breathed. That, that the Bible is God's words, which means through the Bible, we get the answer to the question from the one that we're asking, who do you say that you are? Who are you? I'm not telling you who I think he is. You're not telling me who you think he is. We're listening. If your answer is, you look at that, if it's biblical, it's what he says that he is. As you look at what you answer, my question is, is do you know if it's biblical or not? If it's not, can I encourage you? Go find the answer if it is biblical or not. Because if it is, he is who he says he is, then these things then affect the next question, right? Why should I care? And here's the reason why we should care, friends. Because the, the way we answer that first question will dictate the way you live your life. If, if God, if God is love, if you wrote that down, God is love then why, why do you feel lonely sometimes? You say God, God says in his word that he is love, and if it's true about him, then why do I feel alone sometimes? If God is hope, why do I, why do I wrestle with hopelessness? What is this? If God is king, if he is Lord, 
And you wrote that down. God, who is God? God is Lord. Then why do you act as if you're Lord and King of your life? You can't have both. Who is God and why should you care? Because the, the way you answer that second question will dictate the way, or the, the first question should dictate the way you live your life. So I know we don't have a ton of time, but here's just a, a couple of quick thoughts. And look, I know it's, there's so much more here that we could look at, but all of these are just biblical and beautiful. Who is God? These things constantly allow me to remember to look up. Is if I'm sitting here at the foot with the gardener and the gardener says, do this thing. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to do my own thing. This makes me stop and think, hang on, hang on. The gardener, he created me. He, he, he's him, right? And I say gardener, I mean the Lord. The Lord is these things. First one being eternal. In the beginning, God, it's right there in the Bible, Genesis 1.1. He's always existed. There's no beginning and no end. There's never been a time where God was not. Let that set in, friends. At times, I think that God is more like a buddy or a genie in a bottle. As I think about his eternal nature, it reminds me he's unlike anything Nothing else is eternal, and that alone should set God apart, friends. He is the creator of what? Well, in the beginning, God did what? He created everything. God gives us life, and out of him all life exists. Psalm 15, 115 says this, Our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. He is the highest authority. No one tells him what to do. Everything was created by him. He runs the show. My son loves making marble tracks. You know those plastic marble tracks? But somewhere down the road, he just decided, because he's brilliant, he decided to make paper or, uh, uh, marble tracks out of paper. And the way he cuts these things and, and shapes it into this crazy little uh, you know, maze. And this thing is like this high now and this wide with all these different places to go. And he's this creator of this thing. How silly would it be for one of these paper things to say, actually make me a little bit higher, right? Why? Because it's his show. He's the one that created it. When I think that it, it that when I think I know best, I, I go back to the fact that he is creator, he's all powerful, that he's eternal, he's creator, and it's it's his show, and I gotta I gotta remember a right view of who God is. He's satisfying, not just satisfying, he's fully satisfying. We Read about that in Psalm 16. It says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Not a little bit, the fullness of joy. You want fullness in this life. You want to be fully satisfied. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. He's personal. You see, God could create something and then step out and not do anything with his creation, but God, we see throughout the Bible that God is not a distant God. In Genesis 3, we talked about it, the God who created everything. He comes down and he walks with his creation and he shows them, I want to enjoy you and I want you to enjoy me. And the whole book is just filled with the rest of, look, chapter 1, he creates 
chapter 3, we break it. Right? Look, it's this. Wait for it. What? Chapter 1, he creates it. Chapter 3, we break it. The rest of this is showing us how much he loves us, that he's willing to fix it. He's not a distant God. He's a personal God. So look, he's, he's eternal, which makes us say, wow, it's, that's, that's crazy. I don't want anything else that's eternal. <laughs> he's, he's creator. He created all. It's his world, not mine. He's fully satisfied. I don't want to be satisfied in this life. And he's it. He's fully, that's all that I need in light of him. How could I want anything else? He's personal. He's not distant, but he, he draws me in. He wants me to enjoy him. And the Bible goes on to talk about that he's faithful, that he's, he's just and holy. He is good. He says, come and taste and see that I'm good. He beckons me in because he knows when we get a taste of who he really is, nothing will satisfy you. Not like him. He says, come and taste that I'm good. He is hope. He actually says, I am hope. Let that set in. And I know we've been in here for a while. We're going to get out of here in just a few minutes you might be sitting in here feeling hopeless, trying to do things your own way and on your own. Friends, he's not just a little bit of hope. He is hope. That's who he is. He is love. It, it, it talks about this throughout Scripture. John 1, it says he, God is love and love is given from him. You're feeling unloved, unknown, unseen? Why not tap into a power source of eternal nature who's created you fully satisfying to say, look, I'm not a little bit of love. I am that. I'm fully love. I am life. I, I want you to have life, abundant life. I am personal. And I, I put this bigger because I need us to understand he is holy. In fact, it says through scripture, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What does holy mean? Set apart. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Here's the problem I think that we've done in the world that we live in today. I think you come here and we hear about the, 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 the gardener and we sit here saying, all right, tell, tell me some stuff. All right, cool, God. All right, I'm out of here. I'm not going to listen to that because I'm going to listen to this podcast or this thing. And what we've done is we put God on the same level of everything else in our life. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. You have a wrong view of me. I am set apart, set apart, set apart. And don't just say it, whether you believe it or not. I am different. And I love that portrayal on that stage because all these people are just gnomes. They're all dressed as gnomes. The backyard people are gnomes. And the gardener is the real deal. He says, I am set apart, set apart, set apart. Quit trying to make me like you because I'm not like you. I am not a little bit eternal and faithful and personal. I'm not a little bit of hope and a little bit good. I am all these things at all time. Which is, is kind of mind-blowing when you look at what you wrote down of who God is. If it's biblical, it's true about him. It's not just true about him in part. It's true about him always, at all time. At the same time as it's true about somebody else said something that's biblical. And these things that say, this is who I am always. As we think about Jonah, I fully believe that he forgot who it was who was calling him. 
to go. He took his eyes off the eternal. And he listened to the lie of sin that made him think that he actually knows better than a set-apart God. I wonder if you're in this room and you're looking at your life and you're like, man, I I know I, I say I know these things about God, but maybe I've got a wrong view of who he is. I've forgotten these things to be true about him. And maybe you're out there and you're like, how do I believe this thing to be true? Can you be open and just ask questions? This is the weekend to ask questions. Please don't run from it. Because the way you answer the question of who is God will dictate the way that you live your life. And I have to believe that there's people out there struggling with just feeling known and hope and, and, and you want justice and, and you're looking for satisfaction in different places and, and you want a j- abundant life and you, you want something personal and you want love and I'm telling you, he is it. Because he's not just a little bit of this. This is who he is. All happening at the same time. It's not like little pieces of the pie. He's a little bit faithful, a little bit just, and a little bit love. He is love fully. And he is just, and he's merciful, and he's faithful. Jonah listened to the lie of sin that he knew best, and it doesn't end well for him. We're going to find that out tomorrow. Sin has major consequences. It affects you. It affects you and him. And sin has an effect on you and other people. And the right view of God helps us run towards God and not sin. And our hope is God is calling you that you don't run the opposite direction like Jonah. But maybe tonight you stop. You say, okay, God, I'm listening. That's the hope. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this camp. And uh, thank you for Jonah. It's hard to think about a guy as we watch this story unfold. A guy's faults played out. And I'm so glad my (laughs) story's not in the Bible where people can judge me in the way that I failed. But the reality is, is we've all fallen short of the glory of you. And we need help. And so asking, Lord, tonight, you remind us of a right view of you. You're not just a good buddy. You are our king and our Lord and our Savior. You are hope. You are love. You are a powerful creator. May we recognize that and remember that and have a right view of you and allow you to search our hearts as the psalm says. In Psalm 139, God, may you search us and know us and if there's things in us that shouldn't be, may may you get rid of them. As we focus on you. And lastly, Lord, I just pray for friends out here that may not know who you are. I pray that they're simply open to hearing about your truth and having great conversations with youth pastors and youth workers and their friends maybe they came up with. May you be glorified in our lives this weekend. May we have a right view of you. Amen. Amen.